This is Real Health Chats, real talk about health issues important to you and your family. I'm Dr. D. And I'm Becky, the doctor's wife. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Health Chats. I'm Dr. D. And I'm Becky, the doctor's wife. And this is episode 22. Today, we're going to be talking about AFib. AFib. What is AFib? When I hear that... It's a lie. (laughs) Dad jokes. Today we get dad jokes. (laughs) When I hear it, (laughs) go back to serious business of podcasting. When I hear it, I think it has something to do with the heart, but I have really no idea what it is all about. Well, you're correct. It does have to do with the heart. AFib is a shorthand term for atrial fibrillation. AFib, which is what I'm going to call it the rest of this episode, is a rhythm abnormality of the heart. Okay. A proper heartbeat is made up of a normal rhythm, which means it's beating at a normal regular interval. When ba-bum, you... ba-bum, ba-bum, Correct. Ba-bum, ba-bum. Very nice demonstration. Thank you. When you look at a tracing on an EKG or a cardiac monitor, each of the blips represents the heartbeat. And the space between those blips should be equal between each heartbeat. That means the beat is regular, and that is what's considered normal. The other component of the heartbeat is the rate, or how fast it's beating per minute, So the normal rate is between 60 and 100 beats per minute. To review just a little bit of cardiac anatomy, and this is very basic, the heart is divided into four chambers, two atrium that are sort of the top, and two ventricles that are the bottom, and then there's a right and left component. So the normal heartbeat is initiated in an area between the atrium, and that has an electrical impulse that goes throughout the heart and causes the heart to squeeze or pump. And it's this electrical impulse is very coordinated so that the atrium beat first and squeeze the blood into the ventricles, and that's followed by a ventricular contraction that squeezes the blood either to the lungs or to the body. Okay, so that's how a heart beats. Right. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> So many. (laughs) (laughs) So in somebody whose heart is beating normally, that electrical impulse goes through in a regular way so that the heartbeat is regular and at a normal rate. Okay. So then AFib is just that not being regular? (laughs) Good question. I was trying to lead you to ask the question of, well, what does this have to do with AFib? Right? It takes me a minute to get through your anatomy lessons in I'm my brain, so though. I'm <laughs> so sorry. It'd be easier if I could write this on a chalkboard, but this is a podcast and not a YouTube video. So. Maybe we'll YouTube it sometime <laughs> uh, and uh, have a whiteboard and you can draw know. pictures. That seems like a lot of trouble. <laughs> Especially in our closet. <laughs> That's right. So in AFib, the electrical impulse is kind of scattered. It doesn't get through the atrium normally. And instead of beating in a regular way, the atrium just kind of flutter 
or fibrillate, like a bag of worms moving around. Beats however it wants to. Yeah, so multiple areas are beating at different times, so it looks like a weird muscle spasm. You can't actually see that because it's all happening deep inside your heart. Right. (laughs) You could in some weird circumstances, you know, but (laughs) I've seen video of it. Of the actual heart in AFib. <laughs> right. You, but you couldn't see it just standing there and no. looking at someone's chest. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> so what happens when the atria are fibrillating is the electrical impulse does not get through to the ventricles in a normal, coordinated fashion. And so it becomes irregular. And when we listen to that with a stethoscope or we feel somebody's pulse... Instead of a regular heartbeat like you did earlier, ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. it's more like bump, ba-bump, 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 bump, bump, bump. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so it's irregular, and it's what we call irregularly irregular. There's no rhythm to it at all. It just beats. Okay. What causes that? There's lots of risk factors for AFib. Age is the most common. So the older we get, the more likely we are to have other medical problems, to be on lots of medications, to have some form of heart disease or heart problem. And any of those increase the risk of developing AFib. And family history as well, right? Sure. Family history can. Also, illness can, can be a risk factor for AFib. So if somebody has normal heart function and they get pneumonia or some other infection, that can cause AFib. I read a statistic when I was looking this up that one in 10 people over the age of 80 have AFib. That's probably about right. It's pretty common. I have several patients and have always had several patients that have AFib. Are there symptoms that a person might think they're having AFib or is it only found when you go to the doctor? So lots of people don't have any symptoms, but the most common symptom is palpitations. And that just means a sense that the heart is beating too fast or irregular. So some people can actually feel it. Others don't. If it's severe, the heart can beat really fast as a result of this. And that can lead to some heart failure. So somebody might show up with some chest discomfort or shortness of breath or swelling in their legs because some heart failure developed because of the AFib. Some other symptoms I saw, and so you can tell me if this is your experience, are weakness and fatigue and fainting, which might all be associated with that. Yes, those could all be symptoms. The fainting is not as common, but fatigue weakness would be. And again, those are more related to the heart failure part of it because their heart's just not pumping efficiently. So they'll get short of breath with exertion or more tired than they normally do doing activities. Okay, that makes sense. And if you're experiencing any of that, or if your parent is experiencing any of that, that would be a good reason to at least go have things checked out. Yes, that's great advice. So let's say a patient comes into their provider's office and maybe they felt some heart palpitations, maybe they've just been weak and fatigued, provider listens to their heart, then how is AFib diagnosed specifically? Is there more to that that happens so you know for absolutely sure that's what's going on? 
So, yeah, usually we can tell when we listen or feel their pulse that their heart rate's irregular. The next step would be getting an EKG. And a lot of offices can just do that right there when the patient's there. And that will show AFib, and that's how we make the diagnosis. But most of the time, you can hear it when you listen to somebody's heart. And you have an idea that it's probably AFib, then the EKG will confirm that. And a person who's older, especially if they have heart disease or other illnesses, that's something that a provider would check regularly anyway. Yeah. So after the diagnosis, then what happens? Well, this is kind of the important step in this process. And the reason is because AFib, although it sounds relatively benign, right? Oh, the heart's just beating a different rhythm. It's not a normal rhythm. How is that a bad thing? Well, it, it can be rather dangerous. Having AFib is a risk factor for stroke. And I think about 35% of people who have AFib have a stroke. That's a pretty high percentage. It is. The reason that happens is when the left atrium is in AFib, atrial fibrillation, when it's not beating properly, the blood doesn't flow through it at a normal rate or capacity. Some of the blood just stays there and it can coagulate and form a clot. And then those little clots can go through the left ventricle and into the circulation up to the brain and cause a stroke. That sounds really scary. And it sounds to me like this would be something that people who might be in a higher risk category would make sure that they go see their provider so that they can be checked out and make sure they're not having any heart problems on a regular basis. Yes, that is one of the reasons we encourage people to be seen you know, fairly regularly, more regular if if they have more serious chronic medical problems. In most people who have symptomatic AFib, there's going to be a sudden change. So they're going to feel fine, and then they're all of a sudden going to be short of breath with exertion. So they're going to be coming in with complaints of feeling tired and things anyway. So it's not necessarily a gradual onset. It would be something that, oh my goodness, all of a sudden things aren't working right, and so I'm feeling worse. Right. And it's a little tricky, too, because it's not gradual onset. There's a sudden change, but people can go in and out of AFib depending on their overall health. So they might be in AFib for a little while, and they make an appointment to go to their doctor, and when they get to the doctor, they're not in AFib anymore. And so it can be a little bit tricky. We call that paroxysmal AFib, and that just means it comes in episodes and may not last very long, those people are at really high risk for stroke because it may go on for a while and you don't ever know it or catch it. And so they get one of those little clots in their heart that goes to the brain. And so sometimes the first symptom or the first time we know it is when the person has already had the stroke. That's pretty scary to not be able to have kind of a warning sign. Yeah. So there are some tests we can do to determine if somebody has AFib or not, if they're having these episodes. They can wear a heart monitor for a while. We can do, you know, an EKG, like we said earlier. Sometimes we just have people go see a cardiologist and make sure there's not other things going on with their heart that would make them at more risk for AFib. The rhythm part of AFib is one of the dangerous things because it can lead to the stroke just being an AFib. The other problem can be 
the heart rate. So sometimes in AFib, the ventricle attempts to stay caught up with the atrium that's beating or moving really fast. That causes the ventricles to beat really fast. So somebody might have a heart rate of 120 or 130, and in some people that can lead to symptoms of heart failure like we discussed just a few minutes ago. So they would come in fluid overloaded, swelling in their legs, short of breath because their lungs are are overloaded with fluid, not able to breathe, maybe chest pain, difficulty breathing when they lay flat, those type of symptoms. And so... There's a rhythm problem with it, and there can also be a rate problem with it. So when somebody comes in with those issues, we attempt to control the rate if it's too high, and then there are treatments we can do to help get them back into a regular rhythm and out of AFib. So what are some of those treatments? The mainstay of treatment is medications initially to try and control the heart rate if it's too fast and try and convert these heart rhythms back into a normal sinus rhythm is what we call it. And then there are some patients who get shocked out of AFib into a normal rhythm. So we call that cardioversion. It's similar to the electrical shock when somebody's in cardiac arrest. And then there are therapies that a cardiologist can do called an ablation where they go in with a heart cath and they find the abnormal electrical pathways and they burn those out so that the electrical impulses go through the heart in a normal way. And we call that an ablation. In people who don't convert to a normal rhythm and stay in that rhythm, they need to be anticoagulated with blood thinning medications to prevent the blood clots from forming to prevent strokes from occurring. So if somebody has a fib, they will typically be put on some medications to control their rate and rhythm and also on a blood thinning medication to keep them from forming clots and having a stroke. So it sounds like there's quite a bit that can be done. There is quite a bit that can be done, and most people can have a fib and have completely normal function. That's good to know considering how common a fib is. Okay, so... Just a quick wrap-up of the things that we've talked about already. AFib is basically when the heartbeat goes a little haywire and isn't regular. Good explanation. Thank you. (laughs) No talk of ventricles or atriums. Heartbeat, messing up. Okay. Greatest risk factor for AFib is age. And along with that, any other chronic health conditions, especially heart disease, but diabetes, obesity, and even there could be a family history component there. So some thyroid problems. We didn't really mention that earlier, but hyperthyroidism. Untreated hyperthyroidism, Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Okay. And then symptoms of AFib are actually symptoms of problems with the heart. So people might feel heart palpitations where they feel their heartbeat is doing something different. They might have some shortness of breath, weakness, fatigue, dizziness, things like that. Something to go have checked out if it's happening. Diagnosing AFib can be done in an office visit. Your provider can listen to you and pretty much tell that your heartbeat is irregular. And then you'll likely have an EKG and do some other investigation to just confirm that diagnosis. 
and there are several treatments available, medications, possibly a surgery, and... Electricity. Oh, that's right. That was the other one. <laughs> the shocks. Electricity. So, takeaways. What would you, as a physician, want people to take away from the things that we've talked about today? So, it's really easy to ignore some of these symptoms we talked about that people have. Fatigue, maybe feeling a little short of breath, maybe not being able to sleep good, palpitations. Because that's all normal as you yeah, get older. So, <laughs> The important thing to take away from this is, is don't ignore those symptoms. Go get checked out. Talk to your doctor. Let them know what's going on. And I think the other takeaway is if you have parents that are older, don't let them ignore those type of symptoms. If they seem more tired, if they seem like they're having more difficulty with activities, it would be a good reason to get them in with their doctor and get them checked out. Because this can be serious because of the clotting issue that can lead to strokes. Right. We don't want the first major symptom of AFib to be a stroke. No. We'll be talking more about stroke in our next episode. So we've covered the basics of AFib today. If you have any specific questions, please let us know. We'd be happy to answer those. You can find us at realhealthchats.com, also on Facebook and Instagram at realhealthchats. And you can follow me at Becky the Doctor's Wife on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. What was discussed today is for information only and is not meant to replace or override advice from your physician.